0: Okay, well, let's uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning, and we thank you for. There's a lot going on today um, for us as a body, and we just thank you for the opportunity to be together, um, to encourage one another, to um, and Lord, to press on to knowing you more. Lord, we do pray for Ken's daughter, um, just that you would work in um, her heart and her husband's heart, their family's life. Oh, Lord God, to see uh you and to see the need for you they would repent and trust themselves to you and they would draw near to you Uh, lord we pray for um just thank you for betty and the opportunity she had to um, invite someone in line to come to church lord we praise you for that and lord we pray just for opportunities this week um, that we would bump into people whether it's our neighbors whether it's people at the grocery store whether it's uh whatever it is Oh lord god help us to um, be faithful to be bold to be courageous uh, and help us to keep discipling one another and helping one another to follow you. Lord, we thank you for this morning as we continue to talk about holiness. And uh, pray you bless this time in your name. Amen. Okay, so what we're going to do this morning is continue to go through Hebrews. But just want to remind you of a couple things before we do that. Remember our kind of theme verse, 1 Peter 1, 14 through uh, 16. As obedient children... Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, "You shall be holy, for I am holy," which is an Old Testament and Levitical idea. Uh, We said holiness is really uncommonness Uh, for God; it's His utter incomparability and uncommonness for people, places, or things. It's things that are things and people who are set apart that belong to Him for His own purposes. um, For for yeah, for his purposes and for his own use, uh, God's glory is the weight of His intrinsic being as the manifest and the. It's the weight of His intrinsic being, or the manifestation of that weight. To glorify God, A.K.A. worship, is to reflect to Him some measure of the weight or on- of honor that is proper to His being. Uh, the relationship of holiness: God is holy; He's uncommon; He's incomparable because of His glory. Uh, but we can also say this: God causes things to be holy by the presence of His glory. So we can think of the the ground that was set apart as holy, the temple, the holy of holies. But it's also this: God requires things to be holy for the presence of His glory. And then we walk through. Okay, what did this look like in Israel? Uh, what did it? What did? What was the aim? And, and what we said is there was there was an initial designation of the nation of Israel as holy through the Exodus Redemption. So there's the Exodus Redemption. God initially designates this nation as holy. There's the ongoing requirement to reflect that holiness uh, and to pursue that holiness through atonement, uh, through obedience to God's commandments, uh, ultimately to protect God's name uh, on Israel and God dwelling with Israel. Uh, And then the idea is how do you increase in uncommonness? How do you increase in holiness? Uh, you do so through assembling together as God's people uh, on the Sabbath day um, to bask in God's glory. Uh, The idea is every Sabbath day the priest would go into the holy place, not the holy of holies, but the holy place, and would refresh the bread of the presence, which represented the twelve tribes. You've got this lampstand there that's supposed to symbolize the tree of life. You've got the lampstand shining its light on the bread of the presence, which represented God's glory uh, shining on Israel. Um, so they're them as a people basking in that. And in Exodus 31, God says that uh, through the Sabbath, he's sanctifying his, his people. So it's this idea of sacred place and sacred time together. And we saw that even at the beginning in the Garden of Eden uh, for God's people to bask in his glory and to know him more. Uh, we talked about this last week as we transitioned into the New Testament and especially into Hebrews. We talked about these kind of three layers that you see in the Old Testament, but then you you see again in Hebrews. uh, If you're unclean and you're a sinner, how do you draw near to God's glory? Drawing near to God's glory is the goal, right? You want that. That's that's the fountain of life. Uh, How do you do that if you're unclean, if you're a sinner? What's the means? Yeah, sacrifice, exactly, right? So there is cleansing through sacrifice, and yes, there's washings and things that go along with that, but um, through sacrifice, through atonement, you are cleansed, okay? Now, if you're clean, that doesn't necessarily mean you're holy. There's that next stage, um, and really, it's uh, how, how do you, if you're clean, but you're, you want to draw in closer to God's glory, how do you do that? What's the means? Yeah, exactly. Being in the priesthood, another way of saying that would be being sanctified, right? To be sanctified means to be set apart, uh, well, it means to be brought into, it's, you're brought into the realm of God's use, you're brought out of the realm of the common into the realm of God, really, uh, for God's use, right? So if you want to get closer in Israel to God's glory, you got to be a priest. And uh, ultimately, if you want to get the closest you can be in the Old Covenant to God's glory, you've got to be the high priest, only one person once a year so only one time one sacred place and one sacred time a year if you're the high priest that's the closest you can get and even then there's there's this cloud that you can't you still can't get the full kind of naked blast of God's um, glory now what did we say that, uh, what what's the the ideal the perfect goal um, or the ideal or perfect life that you could It's not actually attainable under the old covenant but what would be the ideal like what would be the perfect life um, in in the old covenant or even in the new for that matter what's that to be a high priest but why yeah you can get the closest to god you can and even beyond what you could do in the old covenant it would be the best if you could just stay there right like, if you could just stay in God's presence and just bask in that glory and enjoy it and delight in it and give him praise, that's what David talks about in the Psalms, right? I want to just sit there and just dwell in God's presence, right? That would be the perfect life. Uh, so we got these kind of three levels, and we, we've, we we see it also in Hebrews as we shift from Old Covenant to New Covenant. Cleansing leads to sanctification, a.k.a. being brought into God's holy people being brought into a, even the priesthood. But even that leads to perfection, which is a word that gets used a lot in, um, in Hebrews. And what he's talking about is that idea of basking in God's presence, being there uh, as, um, as, as close as you could, and dwelling there, right? So those three levels, cleansing through sacrifice, sanctification into God's holy people, into his priesthood, And then perfection would be dwelling in God's glory in his presence uh, for all eternity. Okay, so we started just trekking through. I said we're just taking samples through Hebrews to see these ideas as we shift from Old Covenant to New Covenant. Because the author of Hebrews is looking back to the Levitical system and he's saying that's the way it was, but how is it now through Christ? And so we've already begun to see Jesus is the high priest. He's a sympathetic high priest he's been made perfect not in the sense of moral blemish but in the sense of he's perfect for the job and he's perfect in the sense that he's gone and is living the perfect life as a human and as god um, and being the forerunner who has gone into the real holy of holies the heavenly holy of holies and he's a forerunner meaning he's gone ahead of us he's the file leader he's the pioneer he's our leader That is, gone ahead, and we've already begun to see in things like uh, Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, uh, even Hebrews 5, um, yeah, 9 through 10, um, Hebrews 6, 17 through 20, which is where we left off last week, uh, that uh, the call because of that in the New Covenant is draw near, right? Draw near, which means draw near to the real Holy of Holies. Uh, That's what we've begun to see, and we're going to see it more today, which is amazing because you couldn't do that in the Levitical system. Okay, So that's where we're at. We're going to start back into Hebrews and trekking through some of these passages and correlate it with what we've seen in Leviticus and what we've already talked about with holiness and glory and all of it. So any questions uh, or, or comments or anything before we jump back into Hebrews? Going once, going twice. All right. Uh, So turn to Hebrews chapter 7. So do what did, Hebrews 6, 17 through 20. Uh, Let's do Hebrews 7. Uh, And someone, go ahead and read verse uh, 11 through 19. So like we've been doing, we're just going to read it, and then we're going to stand back and make observations. Okay? So Hebrews 7, uh, 11 through 19. I'm going to go ahead and read that. very good, thank you. So what do we see in correlating with all the ideas we've talked about already, what do we see in this passage? A okay, a change in what sense? Uh, from one tribe to good, yeah. A, tra- tra- uh, a change from one tribe to another. We Priests can only come from the tribe of Levi, but here Jesus comes from the tribe of Judah, right? So there's a change, and there's a change in the priesthood, and The old covenant, the the Israelite covenant, was given out Mount Sinai in connection with the Levitical priesthood. They were intertwined, interseparably. Well, now we've got a change in priesthood, which means there's a change in covenant, too. Right? That's part of the change that he's talking about. There's this shift from old to new. Um, Okay, good. Very good. What else? What do you see? What do you see in terms of language like? Perfect, or draw near, or priesthood, or any of it. Mm-hmm. Very good. Yeah, and we'll see that even there's other passages in Hebrews that highlight that very reality. That because uh, the old par- he said this back in chapter five. The priests, the old priests of the Levitical system, they're many in number because they die, uh, which is bad, right? Death is connected. The farther away you move from God's presence, the farther away you move um, from the Holy of Holies, you're further and further on the spectrum of death. So it's really bad that the priests ultimately die. But here we have one who's a priest who has an indestructible life, um, so he can, and, and the author of Hebrews will build on this, he can do what the Levitical priesthood could never do, um, because he has an indestructible life. Uh, Notice this language of perfection. Uh, What does it say about perfection? Was perfection attainable under... No, it wasn't, right? Which means what? Remember how we've been talking about perfection? What does it mean that perfection is not attainable under the, the... the uh, Levitical priesthood? Exactly. Um, the perfection would be dwelling in God's presence un, unhindered, right? But even the high priest, even the person who can get the closest, um, there, there's no perfection there, right? So you've got this law. The law is not bad, but it's batteries not included, right? It, it, it can get you so far, but you've still got distance, um, it can't actually bring you into the Holy of Holies, right? It can't clean you enough uh, in a, or in a true way to bring you not in the model, let alone the real Holy of Holies, right, that's going on in heaven, okay? Uh, anything else that you, you see? Perfection, holiness, drawing near to God... Right. Yeah. Exactly. Which is what he's been driving towards and what Betty noticed, right? Like this is all describing the shift from old to new covenant. We have a shift in priesthood. We have a shift in covenant. The old covenant wasn't bad in the sense that it was, it was God made it, right? It was good. It functioned as it was supposed to, but it couldn't perfect you. It couldn't bring you all the way. Versus... Uh, what we have, he says there in verse 19, for the law made nothing perfect, but on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God, right? Jesus has been that forerunner. He talked about that in chapter 6. Jesus is the guarantor, skipping ahead to 722, of a better covenant. Therefore, uh, unlike the the law, which was a standard, and it's a standard. It, It did what it was supposed to do, but a standard, if I... If I put a measuring rod right here and I say, that's, that's a good measuring rod. Uh, it's an accurate measuring rod, right? But it can't grow something in length, right? The measuring rod can't grow something in length. It can't make something bigger, right? Uh, that's what he's talking about here. The, me- the standard is fine, but it can't change anything fundamentally, right? But with the new covenant, with the shift in priesthood, with the shift in covenant, uh, we have the, the promise of a better covenant to... So that now we can draw near, not just in an earthly copy, but in a he- the heavenly reality we, have, we can draw near. Yeah, Susan. Yes, so the law, and, and this, is, this is where we get, we have trouble with the law. And I, I mean, it's, it gets confusing, especially when you read some of these things. The law is not bad. It's still not bad now. Uh, it's just you can't ask it to do something it wasn't designed to do. It was never designed to perfect you. It was designed to be a standard, and it does a great job of being a standard, right? But it can't perfect you. It can't have you draw near. So the law is still good, um, and it's still good even as a standard, although there's shifts in application of the principles of the law for today. Um, But the thing is about the new covenant is it can actually change you. It can have you draw near, Right, which is what we're all. This is why we're talking about all of this, right? Why are we talking about holiness? Well, we need these concepts, but ultimately we want to understand how do we grow as a Christian. What we're doing is we're saying, yeah, here's the old covenant, here's the new covenant, here's how it's so much better, and here's the basis for how we know how to change as believers. Yeah, Matt. Yes. Yes. exactly right so which is that's what we mean by legalism legalism is not about obedience or not or requiring obedience that's not what legalism is about legalism is about relying on obedience or trying to rely on the law in order to draw near to god you can't do it right Uh, you're you're asking it to do something it was never designed by god to do right um yeah good good observations yeah eden Yep, absolutely. It's good as a standard, but it doesn't perfect. But now we're in the new covenant, which does allow us to perfect. Now, there was ways God changed people in the old covenant. We said that, right? Like gathering year, God was still the one sanctifying and changing you, but it was more external versus what we see in the new covenant is internal. The spirit is given internally so that we can change. Let's move on a little bit um, to... Someone go ahead and read 723 through 8.2 7.23 through 8.2 someone's willing to do that it'd be great Steve will you read that? Good. What do you see here? That's correlates with all that we've been saying. What do you see? And there's, mo- there's a couple dimensions to that, right? Why is Jesus the ultimate high priest? What are some reasons for that? Yeah. He doesn't die, so he has an indestructible life, back to what um, Rachel was saying earlier. So that's that's excellent, right? What else? He himself, is he himself is sinless. He's holy. He's unstained. He's undefiled, right? All those terms that get piled up. He's separated. Like, he, he doesn't need to worry about dying when he goes into the holy of holies, right? Because he is absolutely, perfectly... Uh, pure, washed, clean, holy, um, it, it, every term you want to pile up there. Um, so he can draw near, he can, he can, uh, even says he's been made perfect. Now, what do we mean by that? It means he's the perfect one for the job, but he's also, right, able to dwell in God's presence, um, perfectly and forever as a man. God, Jesus is a man. Once he had it, Humanity to his deity, he has it forever. So he is the God-man, but able to just stay in the Holy of Holies. Um, What's the other, there's another dimension to this. Uh, Why is Jesus the ultimate high priest? Has to do with, what's that? Okay, yeah, he's, um, he's done away with the sacrifices, right? That even, Hebrews began that way, right? He, after making purification for sins, he sat down. The high priest would never could never sit down in the Levitical system because he's always sacrificing, right? But Jesus, is like, we're done, uh, and he gets to sit down. Yeah. Yes, yes. He he's not in the model, right? So all the Levitical stuff—it's a model. Um, it, it, he says that in here, right? Like, it, it was a model. It's a pointer to a reality, but Jesus gets to go into the reality. Um, so even if you could dwell in the model, in the Holy of Holies, well, that would be great, but that still wouldn't be the ultimate life because really you'd want to dwell in God's presence uh, in, in, a, in, in the fullest, fullest way you could possibly do. Well, that's what Jesus is able to do, right? And he's able uh, to intercede as this perfect high priest in our behalf, right? Um, good. Uh, anything else in that section? Okay, let's move on. So, again, we're just kind of taking samples. Um, Let's go to Hebrews 9, 1 through 14. Let's break this one up um, a little bit. Someone go ahead and read uh, 9, 1 through 5. Okay, so someone take over um, reading in verse 6 to verse 10. Okay, so he's just rehearsing the Old Covenant, and particularly, what time is he highlighting? High priest can go in in the model once a year at what time? The Day of Atonement, Leviticus 16, right? Which kind of reboots the whole system. You can kind of think of the Day of Atonement as a reboot for the whole, uh, the whole Levitical system. But he only gets to go in once a year, right? So he's just rehearsing all of that. Okay, so someone go ahead and read uh, 11 through 14. Very good. Now, so he's contrasting, right? What do you see in uh, especially 11 through 14? What does it say? Once for all, right? So the the one day of atonement even was a pointer to what Christ did once for all, right? One sacrifice, once for all. Okay, what did that sacrifice do? Well, in reality
1: and in, in which
0: the sacrifices all Yeah. Yes. So everything the model was pointing to Christ did. Okay? And then even more than that, what did what, what did his sacrifice accomplish in terms of what it says here? What does it say? It cleansed our conscience. Now the old covenant could never get in here. It could do the it could do the flesh, right? There was a sense in which it was external. It could do some external cleansing, but it could never get into the conscience, right? And deal with the guilt of my at my heart level, right? But this is a sacrifice which cleanses, which purifies um, so that we can. Draw near. And for what aim? Notice, how does it, okay, he purifies us, he cleanses us, and then for what purpose? For us. To serve. And I believe this is the word um, from which we get the word liturgic, um, but it's the idea of serving as a priest. right? Uh, Only the high priest gets to go in once a year, but Jesus, once for all, purifies us to the point where now not only can we be cleansed But remember the next level, sanctified, right? We can be sanctified as uh, brought into a holy priestly people to serve, uh, to offer, as he'll say later, offer spiritual sacrifices, right? Uh, So he's qualified, he's not only cleansed us from our sin, but he's qualified us for service, right? This is the idea of what's going on here. Anything else you see in these? Again, we're just taking samples. We're seeing bits and pieces, but I hope this is helping you draw this picture together. It's beautiful. So, um, other questions or comments? Just on a more uh, emotional level, uh, it sort of means more. I mean, yeah. You know, the high Seriously? You know, and that, that took a lot more yeah. Jesus is the high priest, and he's the sacrifice, all in one, right? Um, he's doing, like, you think of the Day of Atonement, you read that, and it's like you've got uh, one goat that's for sprinkling in the holy place, the other goat goes away, uh, and then you've got the high priest, but Jesus does all three of those things in a person, right? All at once. Uh, he's, he's the ultimate. He's the one that all those things were pointing towards. It was just a model to try to communicate a reality that Jesus has now uh, fulfilled. Yeah. Cool. All right. Now, biggest section that we're going to read, and probably the, the, the heart, or the, the section that ties the most together with what we've seen, um, we're going to read 922 through 1031. We're going to chunk it up, though, so we'll, we'll take it in sections. Um, so I'll start by reading 922 through uh, 28, and then someone else will pick up on in, uh, in 10.1, so someone get prepared for that. So 922. will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Just to note, this is why we, why the Roman Catholic Mass is so abhorrent, because it is literally a re-sacrificing of Christ um, when Christ has paid for his people once for all with one sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, oh, the Mass, you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, uh, not Christ, but uh, yes, the Mass um, uh, is, yeah, okay? All right, 10, 10-1. Um, someone keep reading, uh, someone read like 10-1 through 7 if they can. It can never buy the same sacrifices. Okay, someone take over in verse 8 and read through verse 10.
2: All
0: right, let's pause there. Okay, so law and the sacrifices can't perfect, but uh, he quotes Psalm 40 here, and especially look at um, those last few verses there, 8 through 10, the author of Hebrews interprets it for us. Um, what does he take, a, he says he takes away the first, what's, what's he talking about? What's the first? Takes away the first, what's he talking about? Yes, specifically the sacrifices, right? So he's taking away the first. You you didn't have any delight in, uh, in burnt offerings and sin offerings. Like, ultimately, God didn't take pleasure in those. They weren't effective, right? So he's taking away those to establish what? The yeah, the second, which is what? <clears throat> yeah, to establish doing God's will. Uh, uh, Psalm... Uh, um, says right above behold i have come to do your will that's the second thing that he's talking about i took away the sacrifices and jesus came to do his will and then like jim just read verse 10 by that will jesus did that will now what's it say we have what we have been sanctified accomplished or ongoing Yep, it's sta- that's a good way of putting it. It's stated in the finished sense; it's done. Okay, we have been sanctified by what means? Through the offering of the body of Jesus once for all. Okay, now let's meditate on that for a second. What does he mean? You have been sanctified. Yeah, Susan. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Possibly, right? Um, so th- that's true. We know that's true in a, th- uh, in a theological sense, right? But what is this saying? Is it saying that? What's it trying to communicate? Maybe that's another way to. to or set
1: apart
0: as yes, yes. So remember, being sanctified, and we saw this in the Old Testament, there is a declar- declarative. Sense of sanctification, right? Where God is saying, you're out of the realm of the common and you're in the realm of the holy, which means what? You're, you're uncommon for my use. You're uncommon for my use. So while it's true that we are tr- still being transformed, and the author of Hebrews will even give us some, some language that direction. What he's talking about here is what Jesus did on the cross, it has permanently, for those who have truly entrusted themselves to him, and um, taken them out of the realm of the common and put them into the realm of the holy. Yeah, Matt. uh, Yes, that's part of it. The scriptures... Oh, sorry, keep going, I'm sorry. Mm hmm. Yes. Yes. That, yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah, so there's the whole process. There's the whole living it out. But what, it's exactly what Matt is saying. And, and thank you, Matt. That, that's a good direction to take this in, right? That, uh, and the scriptures want you to do this. If you're in the new covenant by faith, God wants you to understand that he took you. It wasn't your choice. He took you out of the realm of the common and has brought you into the realm of the holy for his purposes, and that's the foundation of your Christian life. Uh, Romans 6, right? Like Matt's point is to Romans 6. Romans 6 says this very thing. Reckon it to, Reckon it to be true. Because it is true. If you're in Christ, you have been taken out of the realm of the common, and you've been brought into the realm of the holy. What Scripture will then do, and even Hebrews takes us this direction, and Romans does the same thing, he says, okay, if that's your identity, if you are a priest, if you are holy, live it out. Right? But if you re- if you reverse those, which is what I think Matt, you're you're getting at, right? If you reverse those and say, I need to live it out in order to be holy, that's when you get into legalism and a performance treadmill and a performance-based mindset that will. Back to Matt's illustration of like what was going on in Israel, right? If you're on the performance treadmill, I've got to do this in order that God would consider me to be holy, then you're going to end up in bitterness or guilt or self-righteousness, uh, which are the fruits of a legalistic heart. Um, so the foundation, that's why we've been spending so much time on this, the foundation for growth is starting with exactly what Hebrews is talking about here. By that will, the will of Christ and him living out God's will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. I think for me, what I have to keep reminding myself of is that these are, these are terms that we only really use inside we want. And so I always have to continue to remind myself what is this term? Mm-hmm. You when know, I see sanctified, and my mind automatically goes to the end of the story. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um I saw you know I'm, I'm on the inside of the club now and I'm gonna stay on the inside of the club, but there's still work to be done to get to complete. Right. There's just but that's where I get tripped up, is that I forget
1: repeatedly what that term means to be sanctified. Right. Yeah. You've uh-huh. you been declared righteous.
0: Yes. Right. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, one of them is they're talking about different facets of the same reality, right? And remember the three levels you're cleansed, then sanctified, and then what? Perfected, right? So where are we, right? Christ, through his one sacrifice, has cleansed us. Therefore, also, it's not only that he cleaned us, he also sanctified us. He also said, you are out of the realm of the common you're in the realm of the priests but where are we we're waiting for perfection right but what's the call of hebrews draw near which draw near is not just in prayer which that's true we do get to experience some of those future realities now some of them Um, but remember who the audience of hebrews is it's it's um, jewish christians in rome under persecution and they're 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 thinking of throwing out the towel and going back to the Levitical system, right? And he's saying, no, because this thing is better than anything that the Levitical system could have done, and so draw near. And what does draw near mean in their context? Endure, right? Endure, persevere, uh, persevere. And he's going to use that language in chapter 12, run the race, which is where we're at, right? So there's this reality of God has, through Christ, has already designated us as holy. Uh, we live it out. How do we live it out? Through perseverance uh, and through effort and through all of these things. But it's not based. It's not as if we're trying to. Um, we're doing all that based on what Christ has already done and accomplished, um, because of His superior sacrifice, because of His superior ministry, all of those things. No. Right. Uh, God is not opposed to effort. He's opposed to earning. Well, and I think going back to what said too, who needs to go back to a system really Right. Line, to a right. And they on that. Right. Well, and, and, and we really, we've, we just started, um, so the Adorned Women have been going through bookends of the Christian life. It's a great little book. Um, the, the aspiring man just started it. But it's um, it, it, what's nice about it is it talks about that reality of we can mentally assent to those truths, kind of in the sense of oh, I've been saved, I'm good to go. But then in our day-to-day Christian life we can begin to say, well um, I fell short. I didn't do my quiet time. I didn't pray today. Therefore God must be not pleased with me. I'm not as holy today because I didn't do those things. Or I didn't serve as much, or you know, any number of things, right? And so, uh, what are you doing? You're you're failing. You're you're into a performance mindset rather than trusting what Christ has done, right? But once you trust what Christ has done, that's the motivator. You're gonna you're gonna work. You're gonna labor, but you're laboring out of the reality of what Christ has done, and out of love for who He is, and love for what He has done. Um, So it gets pretty subtle um, when we're living our our life, but these these are fundamental truths that we need to keep coming back to. So any other thoughts or questions before we close out? It's kind of like, it's like we, like Matt said, we understand ourselves. We understand we are wicked people. We understand that. Um, And it's like God, not because of anything we did, not based on merit. He gave us like a huge promotion. Like he like promoted us from janitor to CEO, right? Uh, Or not CEO, you know, some high position in the company, whatever. But um, you get the picture and it's like, whoa, I'm not, I'm not, uh, Uh, in this role this high role because of any merit of my own Uh, but now that I'm here I want to live out because this is totally by grace I want to live out this role so God I I don't deserve to be a priest but God has declared it to be so through Christ and now I want to live out that role not based on my own strength but based on Christ strength and I want to I want to I want to please God in that not because I I'm meriting anything, not because I'm earning anything, but he has given me the power in Christ to live out and live up to that role as priest. So, Matt, you had your hand up. Um Just like one other analogy just because of my, um, my experience with, with Osprey. I mean, if you have someone some who's taking a child in and saying, you can stay
1: here as long as you're good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yep,
0: Right, Right, Right. Yeah, exactly. And uh, think about correlating this. You guys get the, uh, you guys hopefully are seeing how this is tying in with what's going on on Sunday morning too, right? Because if he's brought us into a priesthood, it's not like I'm a priest by myself. I'm a priest with all the rest of you together in a local church, functioning and serving, right? We said serving, uh, and we're going to elaborate more and more in coming weeks. What does that mean? What does that look like? But You've been called to that, live out it, live it out, Um, and live it out with your brothers and sisters, your brother and sister priests in community. So, yeah, Uh, yeah, David. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yep. Good. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Cool. Well, hopefully you got more questions or ideas or thoughts, but uh, hopefully that's encouraging for you. Let's let's pray and give thanks. Uh, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are our high priest; that you are at the right hand of the Father; that you have sat down; that you've made purification for our sins. We thank you that you freed us. We thank you that you've designated us as holy. Lord, we want to live that out. Uh, we want to live that role Um, uh, not because we deserve it not because we can earn it you already gave it to us and we want to be faithful in that and we want to honor you and we want to honor you with our lives our actions our thoughts our words Um, may that happen even today as we gather with the rest of the priests of this local body to offer spiritual sacrifices to pray together to uh, sing songs to you together um, to uh, to hear the preaching of your word together to serve one another, to encourage one another, to help one another follow you. Lord, help us to persevere. Um, Help us to persevere remembering these facts. And Lord, bring us to perfection, meaning bring us into your presence, basking in your glory for all eternity, for that is our great joy and good, and we long for it. And we pray for any who would come through these doors today who do not know you, who have not been purified, who have not um, been... Uh, designated, brought out of the realm of the common to the um, to the holy, uh, I pray that you would have mercy and that you would rescue them, even as you've rescued us, through repentance and faith and trust in you, uh, your sacrifice, Lord Jesus. We thank you for the new covenant, um, and we give thanks to you. In Jesus' name, amen.